Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new Black Magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic. And we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now, cue the music. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the 133rd episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Aaron Goodmiller and Troy Smith. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. Today we've got Andrew Allen and Jason Sandy. They're two of the people behind Short of the Week, and they co-wrote an article called Be Everywhere All at Once. And it's a great guide to um, the modern way that people are approaching short film distribution. So if you're curious about uh, what to do with your short film, if you're thinking about where to start making a short film, if you want to know what film festivals accept short films that have premiered online, how to premiere your film online, all of that stuff, we go pretty deep with these guys about what Short of the Week is all about, where this article came from, the processes of programming for Short of the Week, and how it's given them the experience and insight to really kind of craft a new way of thinking about how to distribute your short film. So it's a great, great uh, conversation if you are thinking about making a short or have already made one. Yeah, these guys are like super legit. Andrew and Jason, I think Jason was like, he worked for Vimeo doing the staff picks. And what I like about the conversation is, they're really all about, like, how do you make a short and then use it to move your career forward? These guys are awesome. I actually spent, like, right after we interviewed them, I spent maybe five hours on their website, shortoftheweek.com, watching, like, a bazillion shorts. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. You can um, literally spell, spend, like, three months watching oh, shorts on their no site. Doubt. And no doubt. And still um, have more to watch. But before we talk to Jason and Andrew, I wanted to remind everyone that we have a Patreon page. It's uh, The address is patreon.com slash justshootitpod. We have gotten a bunch of people on it. It's super exciting. And you patrons of ours are helping us pay our editors. You're helping us plan more live events, which we are going to do another one this year, right? Is that yeah. the plan? Yeah, we've got December. an end of the year event coming up. Um, we're already in the early stages of planning it. Yeah, so check it out. It's a way you can show some support for us. You can give us a dollar a month, four dollars a month, whatever you feel like, or don't, and keep listening to the podcast. And keep emailing us your questions and your feedback. We've been interacting a lot with our listeners lately, and it's been really enjoyable. So that's all I got. Uh, great. Well, with that, let's hop into our conversation with the short of the week guys, Andrew and Jason. All right, welcome, uh, Jason and Andrew, to Just Shoot It. Thanks so much for connecting with us, guys. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a real pleasure to be here. 
Yeah, thanks for inviting us. Well, the, the reason that we first reached out to you all um, is because beyond, um, you know, uh, all of the awesome stuff that you both do at Short of the Week, um, which we can get into as well, you but you did a, a, a article, the, the pair of you made an article that kind of went like filmmaker viral, right? Uh, called Be Everywhere All at Once, The Ultimate Guide to Festivals Online and Your Short Film Release. That was a, that's the sort of article you see kind of like passed around message boards and like your friends are all sharing it. Um, do you want to just kind of give us the, uh, the, the log line of what Be Everywhere All at Once kind of means to you two? Yeah, I think, you know, we've, we've been uh, fans of short film for a long time and uh, filmmakers ourselves and through Short of the Week, uh, which has now been around for about 11 years, we've really seen the online short film industry grow up. And I think through that have just learned a lot about what this new avenue is opening up for filmmakers in terms of, of new opportunities. And so, you know, it's really, this piece was really kind of uh, an encapsulation of the last decade or so of helping filmmakers launch uh, their shorts online, helping them connect them with people in the industry, and then just getting feedback on what's working and what's not. Um, and so, you know, we would, we're regularly talking with filmmakers and, and they're, they're sort of regularly feeding back what their experiences are. And we just saw this big disconnect, I think, between what's traditionally been told to them and, and this new path that we're seeing. Uh, so I know that's longer than a log line, but that's we tried to kind of capture those uh, ideas of how, how to get the most impact and impact um, that is meaningful for filmmakers, which, which tends to be more around developing new career opportunities. How can you optimize for that in your short film release? Right. And do you guys, when you guys say new career opportunities, do you mean about having your short reach the right people or reach the most people? I think that it ultimately is about reaching the right people, but by reaching the most people just through math, you know, you're more likely to have the opportunity to reach the right people. Uh, so there's a, a difference between, you know, quality of viewer versus quantity of viewer. Um, and I think platforms like short of the week where we have, a mailing list that has a lot of fairly influential talent scouts and agents and industry people on it is definitely something that we're proud of and it's something that we encourage filmmakers to think about. Um, but I don't think that the two are opposing. I think that if, if you aim for volume uh, because there is so much attention that's being placed on this ecosystem of content that's coming out direct online, uh, you're likely to get that first goal of quality viewer who is someone who can help your career as well. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And so just for the our listeners that haven't read the article before, like what about like the Sundance or the TIFF or the Con? Like can you release your short online before it screens at one of those places? Yeah, the short answer is yes, you can, but the real answer is uh, it's complicated. Um, we have a companion article that we released or that we linked to in the Be Everywhere All at Once piece that makes it really easy for filmmakers to look at 125 of the biggest film festivals in the world 
see what their premier status restrictions are. And, you know, when we first did this piece, uh, we did it in collaboration with a colleague of ours, Katie Metcalf, who's a short film programmer at Sundance, using a lot of her original research. And we were quite surprised at the time that 66% of these Oscar qualifying film festivals had uh, no explicit rule against your film being online before acceptance into their festival. And Sundance is a very high profile example of that. We do a playlist every year of you know, somewhere between five and 10 short films that are part of their official program, which are already released online by the time that the programming announcement comes out. But, you know, there are several high-profile film festivals, such as Cannes or Berlin, uh, that will disqualify you from eligibility. So we encourage filmmakers to think about, you know, what is important to them, what their goals are for their release, uh, and to strategize accordingly. And while I think the Be Everywhere All Once article suggests that filmmakers should not place as much importance as they currently do on film festivals. Uh, we do try to make sure that we're taking a nuanced approach to tell filmmakers to think critically and to think strategically about, you know, what is the best path for their particular case. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that really struck me the most about this article, just kind of on a philosophical sense, is that so often I'm sure you're confronted with people who ask just for kind of like what's the cut and dry advice and the answer is always it's complicated but what this uh what this article does a really good job of reminding people of is that you know there's a lot of familiar ways to distribute a movie or a short um and that you really just have to question what are the specific goals that you have for yourself as a filmmaker and also uh, for the film specifically film festivals maybe are in the worst case scenario not the best place to sh for a ton of people to see your film necessarily but they are say a good place to uh build a community and you know get to know other filmmakers and things like that and i think that you do a good job of kind of laying all of those different aspects out exactly i think that's really well put yeah you know i'm a frequent attendee of film festivals. I've been to Sundance. In the last six years, I go to South by. Um, Andrew and I both get invited, you know, around the world to be on juries or to speak. And there's definitely a sense of community that develops around filmmakers that are doing the festival circuit at the same time. And that's incredibly invaluable. And It's almost like a high school graduating class, you know? It really is. It really is. And you end up getting to mingle with people like ourselves, uh, with programmers. You know, landing a spot in a high-profile festival makes the rest of your festival run that much easier and more valuable as you're on the radar of a bunch of separate theater festivals or lower-tier film festivals that program off of the big premier festivals. So there's a lot of value in it. But what I've also seen is that it, in some sense, is an insular community. Uh, I go to these screenings at top-notch premier film festivals and I, I go to the short screenings and I don't see a lot of agents or managers or producers or development people. And the audiences really aren't generally that big. So 
Uh, being on Shore of the Week in your first handful of days of online release, you will reach a larger audience of people seeing your film than probably your entire festival run put together. Uh, and that's a fact. And it's also much easier to reach decision makers because you're not making it difficult on them uh, in the same way that scripts can travel through informal networks of agents and producers kind of friction-free, your film can do that same way when, you know, a junior person in their office whose job it is to scout short of the week or scout statistics uh, can freely share with an executive in their office or it can be sent through email. Um, there's a certain uh, removal of friction uh, that really helps a filmmaker get their work seen not only then by mass audiences, but by also uh, the kind of key decision makers that can help move their career forward. Yeah, I think that's so something that like our listeners really need to hear. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten an email from someone, even like there's two Kickstarters that I contributed to for short films, and they'll email all the time saying, hey, we're going to be at this film festival, we're going to be at this shorts fest or this thing, like you should come see it. And my answer is always like, can't can't you just send me a link? Like, I do not want to go to a film festival to watch your one short that's probably among a bunch of different shorts that I'm even less interested in. So uh, if you can send me a link, I, I will watch almost anything. You know? As a slight tangent, I would even go so far as to say, don't make don't put a password on your short. You know, like, don't give me, like, a case-sensitive in-joke <laughs> password. Just send me a private link. Like, mistyping your you know, in joke a couple times and just could be the difference between me deciding to watch your film or not or watching it with, um, you know, without being grumpy. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, something that we've done is we've taken, you know, we've, um, I've done marketing and other roles. And I think some of this is just kind of taking some, uh, you know, finding that balance between like there, there are places where you want to exhibit, uh, your work, but then there are also places where it needs to, to sort of function in almost more of a, a sort of marketing capacity. And that's all about reducing friction and having the right sort of message and really packaging uh, your film well to make those types of rounds. And that's, I mean, that's, that's something I think it's another um, section in this article, which is, it's not easy to do, you know, we're not all, not every filmmaker is, uh, an amazing marketer at heart. And we've really felt that it's sort of unfortunate that, that, uh, a lot of the message I think over the last, you know, eight or 10 years or so, especially with the rise of social media has been in order to get any sort of impact online, you really have to do it yourself. And while that was sort sure. of empowering for a while, like the structures of the online world have built themselves up in, the, in such a way that that's become much more difficult now. And the truth is that you shouldn't have to be, uh, you know, a digital marketing guru, as we say, uh, to be a great filmmaker, right? You should just be able to make great films. And, uh, and hopefully that's part of the role that we've tried to, to step in and take is that we can help package your film and get it out to audiences and get it out to decision makers. Just to, to play the um, the listener at home who um, didn't get into a top tier festival and maybe even didn't get accepted to short of the week, right? Um, I think there is a little bit of a question where, you know, 
the thoughts of don't don't build an audience or um, securing a, a fancy premiere that becomes a little bit more frustrating when you're not getting accepted to the South Bys and the Sundances and the Tiffs of the world. Do you have any thoughts for the those filmmakers? You know, the ones who are maybe not quite ready for um, the prestige or haven't been accepted to that party yet. Uh, yeah, I would say I think it's important at whatever level you're at to get honest feedback on where you are and what you're doing. And that's, um, that's actually, that is something that we do actually offer at, at short of the week. One thing that when we take submissions, uh, if you pay a little extra, um, someone on the curation team will actually provide some detailed notes on like what's working, what's not working in your film. That's one way. Sorry to interrupt, but I'm just curious. Can you give like an example of what a note would be and like how detailed, like a page worth of notes? Um, it's like two, three paragraphs worth. Um, and so, but it depends on the length of the short as well. And so it, it tends to be around, you know, we look at like the craft of the film, obviously. Uh, sometimes there are obvious things done wrong there. Um, but then it's also like the character arc or the story arc. Um, and so we, we try and get as nuanced as we can. Um, the really difficult ones are sometimes, and you, we see this a lot, and it's it's something that I think uh, you have to find a way as a curator to kind of fight through. But something that we see a lot is there are a lot of like well-executed films that just don't add up to anything that significant in the end and it's those are the hardest ones to get feedback on because it's like you 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 executed a film really well but sometimes it just doesn't have that special little something to make it noteworthy Um, and do you is that different than not having a good ending uh it's yeah it's definitely different i mean a, a, a sort of uh ambiguous ending or like you can still have a a good ending but sometimes like you know, I'm sure you guys have done it. You've seen a film, whether it's a short or a feature, but at the end of it, you're like, I think I've probably watched the same film like five or six different times already. And it feels very familiar. And you're like, well, something that we try and do at least at short of the week is we're always looking for what we call innovative storytelling or people who are pushing the boundaries in some ways. And that's either through like new techniques um, or new styles, new formats, but it's also through like characters that we haven't seen before, perspectives that we haven't seen, or uh, a sort of style of dialogue that we haven't seen. And so that's you know that's something that we're particularly looking for. Um, but it's I, I you know just to get back to that original question, I do think you know you have to put it out there in some way uh, to get feedback. You know whether that's like a local film festival or putting it on Vimeo yourself. Um, you do have to get it out there because that's look. We get a lot of people submitting to short of the week. We only accept about four percent, and more and more of that four percent that we do accept are people that have submitted to us in the past. And so, what we always try and say it's cliche, but you know, filmmaking is a bit of a journey. Like you have to really learn it and learn yourself and learn your own voice through it yeah no that's that is interesting matt and i were talking about before we started talking to you about how we've seen a lot of our friends that have gotten into sundance or gotten into south by they've been to those festivals a bunch of times they met people they saw what works there and what doesn't work there yeah and they didn't just like 
make a short film in a vacuum and then got really depressed when it didn't get into Sundance. Yeah, I'm looking. So to submit to Short of the Week, it's 30 bucks. Yeah. It's 30. And, uh, and it's under 40-minute films. So your acceptance rate as of now is around 4%. Yeah, it's about 4%. It's like a like Harvard. <laughs> it's just there's so much great work coming out and uh we have to we, fi- we have to find ways to keep raising our standards because we can only uh publish and promote so much. You know, we don't want to we could accept three times as many, but then we you know, the individual acceptance uh we wouldn't be able to promote each individual film nearly as much. So we we try to maintain a level, but that means we have to keep raising the bar. Cool. So I guess, I mean, probably the big question that you get asked all the time uh, or some version of this question is like, what are kind of the no-nos that you see in short films that people should avoid? So just to give you guys a little bit of background, a lot of our listeners are newer filmmakers, people that just graduated film school, people that have worked in reality TV and now are trying to move into narrative kind of, you know, and people that are making short films, submitting them to festivals like what do you guys have any kind of general tips of things to avoid or do do you want to take it jason i've got the art we actually have an article on this too but um the 15 things wrong with your short by ivan damn you guys have written an article about every good question (laughs) yeah that one's a little bit cheeky but um you know it's it's an example of some sort of inside baseball, the kind of conversations that we have with other programmers at film festivals, other online sites, kind of repeating either motifs or styles that um, we just keep seeing and sort of bug us a bit. Uh, for example, there's certain types of stories that you, you know, when you get over 3,500 submissions every single year, you start to notice these weird similarities like, Man, there's an awful lot of movies about hitmen, uh, and they're always like sad and wrestling with whether they're good people or not. It's like, well, no, you kill people for right. them, and you're not a good person. <laughs> uh, there's also, you know, a surprisingly huge subgenre of very bad black and white noir homages. You know, it's not to say that you can't make a good one of those. Like, there's no hard and fast rule. Like, every rule is made to be broken. Um, but, you know, if you're trying to stretch your wings or you're trying to prove something, like, maybe don't do that. I love this one. Your film is good considering you made it for $20 <laughs> or you shot it on an iPhone. Oh, sure. Yeah, we get a lot of people who uh, who say that, like, like it's, it's something to their benefit. Like, it's something that we're going to be like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, like, we, I mean... To, just to commiserate, we we definitely get that as well. We get a lot of pitches like, "Hey, we made this for zero dollars in thirty six hours, and isn't that incredible?" Um, and it is. I don't want to put people down who, you know, it's hard to make a movie, so like, go for it. But like, the reason that people love movies is not because they were shot cheaply or quickly. You know, you you don't walk out of a movie theater and say, "Boy, that's my new favorite movie." They shot it so fast. <laughs> that's definitely yeah that's that's our stance as well i think it's to blame it's i go back to the beginning of the decade when a lot of the trends that we're seeing that are kind of mature online right now were first being formulated and we saw sci-fi films like Fede alvarez's panic attack you know at the time he was a complete unknown he was a university kid in uruguay and he makes this 
CGI sci-fi two-minute thing at home on his computer using, you know, commercially available software. And that ended up being a big headline. That was one of the reasons that piece goes viral. Or, you know, the first time that with DSLRs you could get shallow depth of field and get that sort of cinematic look, there was a certain thrill to like, oh yeah, you can do this cheap. Like, I don't need to rent a 16 millimeter camera and I don't need to process film or even like, I don't need $3,000 of glass with some sort of intermediary between cinema glass and my like DX100 or something like that to get a really polished look. And so um, at times, those kind of things have worked to the PR or publicity advantage of filmmakers, but it's just not really the case anymore. Like everybody and their mother is getting an Alexa on the weekend from their local shop. And I think that's one of the really trickiest things, having done this for over 10 years, I would say to a certain extent, you used to be able to prejudge shorts on superficial qualities of cinematography and, and overall image look, and that's really not the case anymore. It's incredibly simple uh, to get a good-looking film now. Um, so now your judgment has to go back to kind of classic things like, well, is, is this well-written? Is this well-acted? Is the point of view something that's worth telling in the first place? So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think what, I, what I'm hearing is like there's the thought of like, oh, a DSLR or a cheap camera or a fast camera or, you know, whatever gear you've got, it's just fundamentals, right? And so that's freeing for people in that like if they've got an Alexa lying around, you know, great. You can go shoot with that, um, pull those favors. But if you don't, that also doesn't matter, you know, and can be exciting as well. But mm-hmm. the story and the characters are always going to be the thing that everybody cares about. Right. And I think, fortunately, as the standards have gotten higher, uh, we're seeing a little bit of, we're seeing gear culture recede a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember in the early days of my curating Vimeo staff picks, people like Philip Bloom and No Film School, like, it was incredible amount of focus on gear and uh, maybe I'm just a little bit removed from those communities anymore, but I feel like more and more people are talking about storytelling and writing and, and crafting good films and are obsessing less about, you know, what kind of lenses you're using, what kind of nonlinear editor you're using, that sort of thing. Well, I think the other thing that is probably related to that is it used to be in the days of the DVX 100 that we're all like trying to make our stuff look like Hollywood movies. But to your point of everyone has an Alexa now, like we literally are using the same cameras on our $2,000 short as like they're shooting the Avengers with. Yeah. So it's not, it becomes a non-issue. Anymore. Yeah. And I, it, it does, or it's at least it's not an excuse of like why your movie isn't good because you didn't have the same equipment that the Hollywood people have. Exactly. Because you pretty much do. And I think, um, like that's gonna that trend you know if we th- think about technology trends like that's only gonna continue like it's gonna get easier and easier and you know you have people shooting films on iPhones now um, that look amazing they look great uh, with the stabilization and 4k and all that and so it's only gonna keep getting easier and easier and you know people are always 
or ask us a similar question. I think uh, sometimes what the analogy I like to bring is just writing. You know, like who cares if you wrote an amazing script? You know, who cares what application you used or what amazing typewriter you used? Um, it's is it a good story? And uh, you know, the tools are going to get easier and easier. Uh, to use and easier and easier to make better and better looking stuff and ultimately what what really stands out is great story in the end and that's that's try what we've always tried to focus on I, th I think at short of the week um, is really trying to find good stories that hopefully transcend some of that you know so oftentimes we'll, we'll go back and watch uh, films from like eight you know eight ten years ago and they'll still look as fresh as they did then. Uh, and so it's, yeah, we, we try and like, as much as you can put story at the forefront, um, because technology trends are going to change. So obviously another trend we've seen, you know, that gear is becoming less interesting, but obviously over the past two years, like there's been a big push for diversity. And I think the, you know, the kind of white male director guy that used to write a short about a person that was just like him is maybe now writing a short about an older Native American woman or kind of trying to inject a new point of view that people haven't seen that much before. Like Jason was saying, like, is this a point of view that we care about that feels fresh? Um, but a lot of times it seems to maybe fall flat on its face because it's, you know, the opposite of authentic. Like, is, it, is this a trend you guys are noticing at all? And um, what do you think about it? I think that it is something that's on a lot of people's minds. I don't a lot of what it sounds like you're describing which is you know people trying to uh, speak for vantage points that they don't have authenticity with I think this is something that's always affected documentary a little bit which is that you do get adventurers who like to go overseas and, and sort of drop in for a couple of weeks and, and shoot a place and to a certain extent, no matter how much sensitivity um, you're able to corral, uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to represent that authentically. But I, I can't say that I'm seeing a lot of that in in scripted work, where, for example, you know, white bro director is trying to suddenly write trans characters or anything like that. What I have seen a lot more and what we think is really exciting is that we're seeing a lot more trans directors just writing about trans issues or people of color speaking about what's going on in their communities or speaking about familiar stories from kind of new perspectives from what is an underrepresented uh, viewpoint and I think that's really cool and it's one of the great things about shorts it's why we think that shorts why we kind of think passionately about championing shorts because, you know, a lot of the blockages in mainstream entertainment have come from these sort of structural uh, hierarchies, but you don't need to get anyone's permission to make a short film. You just get some friends, you get some gear, you put together a little bit of money and anyone from any kind of background can make them. And I think that's really exciting because we're getting a lot of new kinds of stories from a lot of new perspectives. And that's one of the reasons why we think that the work that we do at Short of the Week is important is to try to serve a bit of a bridge to 
connecting these new kind of diverse filmmakers to the kind of entrenched established industry. Right. Yeah, that's really helpful. And I, that is a good, it's good to hear that you're not seeing that. I'd heard, you know, a couple other programmers talking about that type of thing where people are trying to kind of be like falsely diverse and it falling apart. Um, like, do you need to find a new angle on how you're pitching yourself or uh, on your point of view to make you stand out more? I mean, I, I think kind of the cliche thing in Hollywood is a bunch of people, uh, you know, that are actors are making a short film about an actor's life in L.A. And it's like you said, we've seen that short so many times that we really aren't interested in it unless it's kind of told in a super different way, you know? I think the challenge has been and always will be standing out, period. And I think that, you know, look, the, the most difficult thing to do with your short is to get anybody to care at all, to get your film seen. That's kind of, you know, one of the true tenets behind the Be Everywhere All at Once strategy. It's like, it's really difficult to get anybody to give a damn about your creative work. There's so much professionally produced uh, content out there that is really, really good. Uh, so why should people care in the first place? And to that extent, um, it's not so much a hindrance that you are coming from a background or a perspective that we've already seen before, because the real challenge is to tell interesting, engaging stories. And I think there's a certain amount of voice and creativity and innovation that is inherent uh, in one's ability to stand out and tell good stories that is sort of timeless. Um, so I don't think it's more challenging than it, than it was before. I just think it has always been very challenging. Right. But, but it is, I guess, one of those things like you, you're saying that um, it used to be that if your short just looked really good or you had access to the equipment or a celebrity actor or something, that's like what set you apart. But now that playing field has kind of been evened out and now it's, it's going deeper. I mean, I think it's awesome. Just like browsing through short of the week right now, it's like, you know, every single one of these shorts, like I could spend like a month just like watching these shorts. They all look super unique in a way that probably was not the case like five years ago. Um, so yeah, it's exciting. And you can browse by country. You can, uh, we, we have a channel for female filmmakers. If you want to, uh, look at, uh, films, uh, directed by female filmmakers, uh, LGBT. And so there's, you know, exactly as you're saying, like lowering the barrier with the tools, but also lowering the barrier with distribution, being able to put it online, um, means that suddenly, you know, it's, it's the things have been opened up, uh, for people in a way that they just never have been before. And I think that's why we're starting to see a lot of new voices from all over the world, all sorts of different backgrounds that we haven't seen before. Well, and, and the thing that I like about short of the week in a kind of different context is that um, the you two get to speak from a level of authority because of, uh, in terms of like what feels familiar or what feels played out or what we've seen before because you all watch a bajillion shorts every day, right? Like you said, like 3,500 shorts come into the website a year, right? 
So, um, so with that sort of um, uh, breadth of knowledge, right? You, it's much easier to spot trends and to see what's familiar or what's not. And so I think listeners at home will think like, ah, oh, well, how, you know, what? I have a lot of ideas. What's the one that's going to stand out? That can be hard to pick, right? But it could be as simple as going to short of the week and seeing, you know, what people are doing. If you see, you know, a, a trend, like that, that becomes apparent basically. And so you don't have to be a film programmer. You don't have to be a showrunner reading samples all, all the time to see the trends that are happening um, amongst filmmakers. What's zeitgeisty right now? And what are the things that maybe you want to shy away from because they've been, we've seen them too many times. Yeah, I think that's well said. And, you know, it, it actually is a little bit surprising to me how few filmmakers who want to make a short film uh, actually watch a lot of short films. <laughs> they, sure, yeah. you know, they're all Tarantino buffs or they, you know, subscribe to Filmstruck and they think of themselves as uh, cinephiles. And yet very often you'll talk to them and realize that they don't actually watch that much of what their peer group is making. Um, and they don't watch a lot of shorts even though they are writing or directing a short script. And the mediums are different. You know, there's, a, there's an art to a good short film uh, that is very different than feature film or episodic. And it's something that I think it behooves aspiring filmmakers to realize. And you see one of the big things that we sort of rail against is, you know, people making these 20 minute short films where they're trying to cram all three acts of their feature script sure. into, uh, into that sort of compressed timeline. It's a rushed or, feature, not a short. Yep. Or they only take one act of their feature and they forget to tell an actual full story. It's all set up with no payoff or, you know, the timing is all wrong because you are trying to get to some sort of climactic event without having put in the work in character development. So, um, yeah, I, I encourage everybody watch more short of the week. Yeah. And I think, um, that's a piece of advice that a lot of people get is like, why don't you make a short that can, it's like a scene from your feature or that you can take to the film festival and sell it as a feature or a TV show. Uh, and it's, it's hard to do that because like you said, it might be a good scene, but it's not a good short. I mean, it, it's something that we recommend to people, which is before you put your film online, before you put the effort in presenting yourself to both audiences and industry, know what you want to pitch. Um, it's, a, it's a case that happened to us. You know, Andrew and I, we collaborated on an animated short film, what, eight years ago now, the Thomas Beale Cipher. And we didn't think that it was anything special and we didn't get into really high quality film festivals. But uh, we put it online and it ended up being a real surprise and I think we ended up taking like maybe 20 generals after that and everybody was like what do you have a feature script for this and we're like no (laughs) do you have other ideas that you want to pitch and like well we didn't know this was going to happen and no we we don't really consider ourselves filmmakers like that so 
whether it's an ad- adaptation of your short or whether it's something else, you know, you should have something that's reasonably in good state and that you can polish up and you can be ready that when you do get that call, uh, you have something to, to pitch. Because we see from, we hear from our filmmakers who we feature on Short of the Week, uh, you know, even if they have played A-list festivals and had a long festival run, um, they generally get more generals off of being online in that first week than they get through their entire festival run. And so, you know, I don't have any sort of precise numbers, but I would, I, I would guess that maybe five to six um, sort of industry meetings would usually arrive out of being featured on the site. So That's awesome. Is there, do you have any other kind of notable success stories or people that like had a short on short of the week and then directed like a Marvel movie or anything? We haven't quite gotten there yet. Uh, I think what's been pretty fascinating is, is, you know, as Andrew said earlier, filmmaking is a journey. And a lot of the filmmakers that we curated in the early days at the site are just now sort of advancing to those sort of uh, privileged positions. Um, in the Be Everywhere All at Once article, we, we highlighted, you know, just a handful of interesting success stories from recent uh, times. So the sci-fi movie Kin, which was in theaters this past month, uh, was based off of a short film uh, that we featured on the site from Josh and John Baker. Um, We've been longtime proponents of the filmmaking duo, uh, Daniels, uh, who've, who've been featured oh, on the yeah. site multiple times. And uh, they did Swiss Army Man with uh, Daniel Radcliffe, which A24 bought and released. They also did the Olympics commercial, which was amazing. The Nike That's right. right. That's right. And uh, yeah, last I heard from them, they had signed on with the Russo brothers. Uh, to do a big-budget original sci-fi film. Oh, wow. uh, That's awesome. Jordan Vote roberts was a Short of the Week award winner, I think, back in 2011, 12, something like that, for a really brilliant short film called Successful Alcoholics. And uh, he most recently directed Kong Skull Island. That's awesome. So you guys are the gatekeepers of Hollywood. <laughs> you know, we don't... We're in the, the interesting spot of, of trying to be modest. I, I do think that we make a difference. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're not working as a management company or an agent. We're not packaging and, you know, really taking our filmmakers out and, and having them do the rounds. So, you know, there's only a certain amount of credit that we can take. I think it, first and foremost, it's these filmmakers' talents. And I do believe that talent rises. Um, it's impossible, to, in my mind, to continue to make really good, really interesting work and not have people eventually take notice. But yeah, I, I think this is something that Andrew and I have both talked about as being something that we want to do uh, more of, to be more explicit in using the connections and the kind of taste-making appeal that short of the week has within industry uh, because we hear from industry and we know that they are paying attention. And can we 
uh, be more explicit in leveraging that to the benefit of the filmmakers that we feature. And I think that's something we're going to be doing in the future. Right. And I feel like the Vimeo staff pick or short of the week is kind of so a little bit of like the director's equivalent of like the black, what the blacklist is for screenwriters, um, which is awesome. It's like a, it is this tool that lets just normal people have access to the right eyeballs, which is awesome. Yeah, it's really great to hear from, again, our alums uh, going out to the film festivals and stuff like that and, and seeing the sort of warmth and uh, that people have towards us and this brand that we've been able to build up. It's really encouraging. Right. So we've had like um, in the past, we've had a couple of video essayists on the podcast that, you know, break, do very well done YouTube videos breaking down like why a script works or doesn't work or why a movie is good or bad. Um, and they always get asked the question of like, you've analyzed so many movies, like when are you going to make your own movie? And I, I know, Jason, you mentioned you guys made that animated short eight years ago. But being that you're pretty much like experts on how not to make a short film and how to make a short film is there uh a, another collaboration in your future or is either one of you interested in directing short films i mean i wouldn't uh count it out entirely but we're definitely uh i think finding i if actually if anything if that short uh taught us anything it was really that maybe we had better skills <laughs> <laughs> on the sort of curation and promotion side um so I think, you know, that's where we're focusing right now. Um, but I, I won't count it out, you know. Maybe someday we'll, we might jump in and, uh, and see if we can do sort of what Jason was alluding to and, and to help great work get made. I don't know if that means we have to be a director, but, uh, you know, maybe in more of a, a producer role. Um, but, yeah, it's something that we love to kind of keep one foot in, uh, in the production world. Yeah, I think... Um... You know, shortly after that film got released, Andrew, you know, ended up co-founding his own technology company. And shortly after that film got released, I, I got hired as a curator at Vimeo. And then we were both running short weeks still as sort of side hustles. So time has been limited, but I definitely think that after all this film watching that I've done and all this criticism that I've done and, and thinking critically about the work that I see that, yeah, I definitely have a great film in me. It's just got to find that time and got to take that leap. And I don't have to take the ego hit of having to make something bad <laughs> if I uh, continue to kind of sit on the sidelines for a little longer. Right. Yeah. I feel like if I was in your guys' position, I would like be discouraged from making a short film because... You see all these insanely good short films with like great performances and great cinematography and great concepts. And it's like, uh, my, you know, the short that I was going to write about my stressful morning just doesn't hold the candle to any of these stories. It's like almost intimidating to be exposed to all this good content, you know? Yeah, I can sympathize with that feeling, no doubt. So maybe our listeners should avoid short of the week. Is that what you're saying, guys? <laughs> <laughs> just avoid becoming a. A curator or a critic, perhaps, <laughs> because you don't, you know, people often move from the profession into a critic, but they rarely go the other way. Yeah, that's not true. You have all those French New Wave guys. Yeah. Didn't Ebert write uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls 2? 
I think that's correct. <laughs> oh, did he? I think he did. He wrote like one kind of trashy exploitation movie. Uh, well, even in uh, you know, even in our kind of contemporary space, I think um, you see that ain't it cool news uh, guy, Massa Worm. You know, he he ended up scripting uh, Doctor Strange, right? Oh, is that right? So I think that was pretty uh, that was pretty heartwarming to us folk who who write about film to to see you know someone from the geek web go ahead and make good. Um, so guys, that was, uh, that's great. I think, uh, I'm certain a ton of our listeners, the last question they really need an answer for is, uh, how do they submit their film to short of the week? Just come on over to short of the week.com slash submit and, uh, submit your film. It's, uh, $30 for a submission. If you want some feedback, that's a fee on top, but, uh, we'll give you some quality feedback from, uh, one of our top curators. And I highly recommend you read their article, 15 Things Wrong With Your Short Film, before you submit, because it might Absolutely. save you 30 bucks. might be too late. Uh, maybe you should uh, read that article while you're writing. Your, your yeah, read it now. Why not? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you can at least remove the list of meaningless laurels. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's, that one gets us every single time. Uh, or add color back in. Or get a sound mix, you know, all those things and save your film in post, or at least give it a chance. Awesome. Well, we'd love uh, to talk with you guys about uh, unpaid endorsements. Unpaid endorsements. I, I can go first. Okay. Um, you know, I think one of the things that running our own website is important is learning a little bit more about the larger industry and uh, what kind of trends are going on in, in technology. And I think a lot of What's on everybody's mind right now is this disruption that's happening with um, digital subscription platforms like Netflix and, and Amazon. So I know Andrew and I both subscribe to a tech newsletter called True Techery from Ben Thompson. And while he doesn't really focus on media, primarily there's a lot of good information in that. Uh, but even more recently, I've been finding the writing of uh, a fellow named Matthew Ball who does original analysis on technology, on uh, entertainment companies for a website called Redef uh, to be really fascinating. And he wrote, I think in the last two or three months, like a multi-part analysis of, of Netflix that I think was one of the most insightful uh, pieces that I've read about the company. So Matthew Ball at Redef, he has a whole bunch of uh, articles that analyze Amazon Prime's strategy, HBO's strategy, Netflix, uh, the new Disney subscription platform, and I found his work to be really enlightening. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Cool. Well, on that, uh, Jason will give you the, the work, I'll give you the play here. <laughs> and so, um, a show that I'm a huge fan of uh and was last year it was my favorite show last year and they came out with the season two this year is a series on netflix called american vandal and uh it's it's getting more popular now but i'm still surprised at how many people haven't haven't watched it but if you haven't seen it it's just an amazing uh mockumentary that starts with a very kind of ridiculous childish premise um and then takes it in very interesting, deep 
ways and so by the end of the of the season you've you know you've kind of taken a look at at youth culture and media and particularly how social media plays in with that in a very very interesting way i think it's doing some of the uh, most interesting writing uh, in television right now under a very silly premise of uh you know a whodunit around who is the turd burglar yeah a tiny self-promotion but if you're interested in hearing how that show came to be the creator and director tony ascenda has been on our podcast and gives pretty much the breakdown of how he came up with the idea from from coming up with the idea to selling it to making it um check out that episode one of our past episodes it's uh one of my very favorite episodes it's really great i'll have to yeah i'll have to listen to that yeah it's um it will make you not like tony that much because he pretty much like came up with the idea like one morning mentioned it to someone that night and like in the way he tells the story it seems like a week later it was like sold to netflix <laughs> Uh, it was much more complicated, and he's obviously like very talented. But um, it, you know, it's just kind of like a really good uh, example of like perseverance and just being like, like you know, sharing your ideas with the with the world and testing them out and and seeing what happens with them. Um, cool. Well, Matt, you got anything? Yeah, I actually um, inspired by this conversation. I'm gonna pull an old favorite that I believe was a short of the week. Um, or maybe a Vimeo staff pick, uh, but I saw it at Palm Springs, so I'll do a two-parter, actually. Killer, the short film Killer um, by Matt Kasman is a, a great, uh, concise, stylized, hilarious, dark short um, that I don't want to give too much away. It's like a little not safe for work, but it's about a little boy who has a, a, a misunderstanding about the the way that uh, masturbation works and um, terrible hilarity ensues uh, but it's called Killer uh, by Matt Kasman we'll have a link in the show notes and then also um, it made me think of Palm Springs which uh, is a great short film festival so if you are in the greater Los Angeles area and have the opportunity to go out there um, it's like scrolling through short of the week but in a movie theater so um that's a nice little uh, short-focused festival, basically. Yeah, Matt Kathman is great. We, uh, we featured Killer on Short of the Week, so you can definitely watch it there. And we also have an older film of his, which if you're a big fan of his, maybe you have, and you haven't seen this one, you should check it out. It's on Short of the Week as well, called Flagpole. And if you oh, I haven't like seen it. Killer, uh, I think you'll like Flagpole as well. Well, my uh, endorsement is an Instagram account uh, I think so. The guy that runs it, his name is Mike Dempsey, and the account is at Mike's Butt, M I K E S B U T T. And I'm pretty sure Mike Dempsey is roommates with Jess Dunlap, a DP that Matt and I have both worked with a lot. Um, but he he's a director also, but he takes these photographs, uh, and they're all practical, and they're just like insane of people just in weird positions, like smashing against walls and. Um, you know, hanging from basketball hoops and floating and uh, falling downstairs. And he, a lot of times, will post kind of like, I think this might be more on Facebook, but like his behind the scenes of just like seeing his like models like jump up in the air as he's like taking their still photos. Uh, but check it out at Mike's Butt. Um, and he's also part of that crew that makes at Kirby Jenner, which is the, the lost Jenner brother. Uh, 
which is another Instagram account that is awesome. So uh, I've been recently I was working on a treatment that had like a bunch of kind of magical moments, but happening in nor in like natural, like urban environments. And I was going through his Instagram account to see if I could find some cool images. And there are way too many of them. But check it out. Awesome. Well, uh, Jason and Andrew, where can listeners find out more about you if they want to keep track of what's happening on Short of the Week and all of the other things that you do? Uh, the best thing to do is to go to Short of the Week and sign up for our newsletter. You can get um, our daily reviews into your inbox, either daily or in a weekly digest. And if you want to catch up with us on social media platforms, we are at Short of the Week, all one word, on most major platforms, so Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, the whole bunch. That's right. And we are also on YouTube. So we have a YouTube channel that we're starting. I know, we're starting to grow the YouTube channel. Um, Also, uh, just search for Short of the Week and we should pop up. Well, awesome. Well, if you want to find out more about uh, us and the podcast, you can follow us on all of social medias at Just Shoot It Pod. You can go to our website, JustShootItPod.com. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Smitey Pileg. And I'm at Mr. Matt Enlow. This episode was produced by Madeline Rosewatt. This episode was edited by Jay McAuliffe. Um, And the music you're listening to right now was provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. And our webmaster is Ewan Williams. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.